to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Welcome to evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. So glad you're able to join us tonight. As you know, we are going through the life of Joseph here on our Sunday evening sermon series. Today is Valentine's Day, so I want to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. This morning here at Broadway, we had baptism. Always exciting to baptize people who are following Christ in believer's baptism. And it's exciting to see the water stirred for those that have made that commitment to follow the Lord. And I do want to remind you, here on this um, broadcast, we'll have our online connection card. If you are interested in receiving believer's baptism, do fill that uh, online connection card out and let us know. It's a way you can certainly respond to the message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull it out. Genesis chapter 49. We are going through the life of Joseph and this we've come to the end. Have you ever heard the phrase someone's maybe last rites? Uh, those in the Catholic um, faith, they t- uh, administer rat- last rites, which is basically a blessing upon someone before they pass away, uh, right before they um, uh, step into the presence of God. The last rites in the Bible Uh, We don't see that phrase used. That's not really uh, biblical. But what we do see is we do see here with Jacob. We see the patriarch. Remember his father is Isaac. His grandfather is Abraham. He is making these final prophetic statements upon his 12 sons. At this point, Jacob, he's, he's 147 years old. He's gone blind. He can barely see. But he still has the gift of prophecy. That's one of the blessings as people age. There's so much wisdom because folks have lived and walked with God so many years. Someone like Jacob is saying powerful words. And these words we know over history come true. And he had 12 sons by uh, four different women. uh, And two of those were concubines. And he takes them in sections with Leah, his two concubines, and then with Rachel. And he blesses Um, uh, his sons from these. Now, the main ones we're going to be looking at, and much of this is going to be the focus on Benjamin and Joseph. Those are sons number 11 and 12. And I think what we see from uh, the powerful message for us this evening, what God has for us, is that we also need to be praying and also be preparing for our death. Do you know, if you have children or grandchildren, are you uh, giving them, passing along knowledge for the future? Are you letting them know how the Lord can use them for great days ahead? So that's what we're going to be looking here at this passage. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. Genesis chapter 49, verse 1. It says here in God's Word, And Jacob called his sons, and he said, Gather around, I will tell you what will happen. To you in the days to come. You know, nowadays, when somebody claims to know what's going to happen in the future, we almost can assuredly say that's not going to happen. But this here is a prophet. God has spoken and has called and has chosen Jacob. And this is, at this point, remember, we are in Egypt. So this prophecy, these last words, these final uh, final prophetic words to his sons are coming to his boys in the land of Egypt. And also remember too, his sons aren't young chickens anymore. You, 
he's 147 years old. His son, like Reuben, the man's probably 90 or 100 or 110. So like these folks are on up there for their own age. They aren't very young as they're hearing and learning this from their father. So um, these are elderly men gathering around their very elderly father listening to these words. So he's gathering them around and he starts out, and I'm not going to read the first 10 sons. He starts there with Reuben. He goes on to Simeon. Then he goes on to Judah. And what's powerful about this is we go through these first 10 sons and we see what's interesting, we'll say that, is he um, uh, ties in animals with uh, five of them. Five of his sons he calls uh, uh, animals. And one of them, Judah, who's the fourth son, Jesus came from Judah. Judah is described as a lion. Have you ever heard the phrase, a lion of Judah? That actually comes out of the book of Revelation. Well, this is where that comes from. Jacob told Judah, in fact, I'll read Judas to you. Judah, verse 8, your brother will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. So Judah is someone who's um, very powerful. Judah is a young lion. My son, you return from the kill. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The phrase Lion of Judah is a name for Jesus. And here at Broadway Baptist, if you come here in person, you can go out in our welcome center and you will see a picture that came from Israel for a couple of years ago that says Lion of Judah. And it's a, it's a reminder, a story that's telling us that the fourth son of Jacob is the Lion of Judah. Jesus was a lion. He was someone who was very powerful. How was he powerful? He defeated and crushed the devil. That's the lion. Lion is the most powerful of all the animals. And Judah is described as that. It says there that he is someone who will return from the kill. Jesus destroyed, the Bible says in the book of John, he came to destroy the works of the devil. The enemy of Jesus is Satan. Satan is trying to thwart and try to rob people's life and livelihood. And we know the Lion of Judah, Jesus, came to destroy that. That's what the cross, that's what the resurrection certainly represents. So go ahead and keep turning here in your Bibles. Look down at verse 22. Joseph, so now we've gone through these first ten sons and we get to Joseph. Joseph is obviously the 11th son. Joseph is in many ways so much of the book of Genesis. Joseph is telling the story here of really how God used and brought um, all the Israelites, all the uh, people from Canaan and this little family, a family of only 70 folks down to Egypt. And the Lord allowed this son, Joseph, who's been in Egypt a long time at this point. Most of his life was spent in Egypt. And here's his prophecy. It says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine beside a spring. Its branches climb over the wall. The archers attack him. 
shot at him and were hostile towards him. That was Joseph's beginning. Joseph had a difficult childhood. Joseph was found himself in prison. He was lied about. He was rejected. But we know the story of Joseph. What's so powerful about that is God had a greater plan intended and did use him for God's glory in that. It says here in verse 24, Yet your bow remained steady, and his strong arms were made agile. Well, that prophecy there, your, your arm, your bow, it remains steady. That's, part, that's an analogy of the Christian life. So much of following the Lord is that steady dedication. Whether Joseph was in prison, whether he was slandered, whether he was in the palace, he was faithful to his God. Now, his brothers were very envious, very jealous of him, but he was a faithful, faithful son to his father. Even in his old age, he continued to honor his dad. And I think we should be commended. Those that have a steady life from every time you see them, whether they're best or whether they're worse, they're always honoring the Lord. They are always, um, uh, they don't snap, they don't uh, get onto you. I think about my own um, times I get in trouble. I always commend myself on never losing my temper. But if there's ever a time for me to come close to losing my temper, it's always when I'm running late. I feel like I run late all the time. And I'm running out the door. I'm running through here. I'm about to hop in the car. It's just late, late, late. Uh, trying to get here. Trying to go there. And that's a, that's a dangerous time for me that I can blow someone off or run right past you because your mind is somewhere else. And I think for us... Part of Christian maturity where we need to know how our weak areas is where are you unsteady at? For a lot of folks, a lot, I tell you where a lot of people are not steady. It's when they're idle. If you have idle time, if you go home tonight after church online church is over and you sit down it's 8.30 and you're going to watch TV and you literally just waste the next three hours watching trash on television or sitting there on your iPad or your phone just scrolling and reading about people you don't even know. People you don't even really care too much about. You haven't spoken to them in years. And, you, and it's something that you can find yourself just wasting your time. I once heard Andy Stanley talk about, uh, someone once asked him in an interview, Andy, how do you find time to pastor a very large church north of Atlanta, to lead a large staff, and to write all these books. I mean, obviously, pastoring and writing sermons and being involved in the day-to-day -day work of a church, that consumes your time. Where do you get the time to write a book? He says, oh, I write a book while you're watching TV. So at night, he doesn't say, I don't sit at home and just watch four hours of Netflix. I sit at home and type a, type a chapter or type a few pages, and it's just the steady life of constantly writing, the disciplined life that the Lord honors. Well, Joseph is described as steady. I believe as a church, we want to be a steady church that is faithful at preaching the gospel. Faithful at preaching, when people come and visit, they actually experience biblical worship. 
They hear God's Word preached and taught just like they would uh, 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 watch online, just like they would read about, just like maybe they may see pictures about. So what they're seeing out there, they come here, and it's a steady picture. What a life of self-discipline. And Joseph here is described that. Are you steady in your faith? Do you live a disciplined life? Do you find yourself being idle? The Bible says idleness leads to a busy body. And that is a sin. Busy bodies are people who get in other people's business, who are involved in things and just listening and participating in things that really they have no place, no responsibility, no no part of right there. So that is who Joseph is. He is the one who it says in verse 24, he remained steady and his strong arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty ones of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, by the God of your father who helps you and by the almighty who blesses you with the blessings of heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies below. Remember, what is a blessing? A blessing is bestowing the favor of God. When you bless someone, when you give someone encouragement, you are saying, the Lord's favor be upon you. I hope the Lord grants you. So like when you see someone that um, maybe they're getting married or they're starting a new job or they've got something very exciting, a new baby, a new home, just this exciting point of their life. You want to ask that the Lord's blessing be upon them. Do you know, I'll give you a, perfect, a good illustration here um, in the context of our, of our church. I remember two years ago, Zach Bauer, our minister of students, who heads up our college ministry and our student ministry here at our church, he was building a house here in Lexington. And he says, Dan, I want a large house with the purpose so that we can have college students, youth, community groups, like we can use it as a tool for ministry. Well, last week, our community group, along with the college group, we were at their house. And it is a large house, a lot of different rooms. And I remember him saying that. I remember that community that he longed for two years earlier, it was coming into fruition. That is an example here when the Bible says a blessing. When you do something for the Lord, whether that's your home, your job, or your time, or how you serve, or you volunteer, you want God's blessing upon it so that the kingdom is advanced and people are learning about the Lord. Even listening to this podcast or this online broadcast, you want it to bless your time. Every word you use, every opportunity you have to speak should encourage other people. Here at our church, we want to create a culture of encouragement and a, a culture of positivity towards the gospel. No one, no one is led to the Lord by being told they're a, they are just a, a rotten person. Now the Bible tells us we're sinful. No one wants to come hearing about how bad everything is, how rotten their life is, how pitiful these things are over here. No. Yes, you're a sinner. 
God saves sinners. God forgives sinners. God can certainly do a great work in restoring people. But then He has picked up your feet, put them down, and you are to live and to walk in the Lord. And I think what's powerful, what God is speaking to you and I, is that we need to be reminded. We want to create a culture of encouragement. The Bible tells us to let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Unwholesome talk. It is so easy to complain. It is so easy to gripe about the things going on. And Christ is telling us, that's not going to be for you. Joseph is that guy. His words were a blessing. It says here in verse 26, The blessing of your father excel, the blessing of my ancestors, and of the bounty of the ancient hills. May they rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince of his brothers. And it goes on to say, Benjamin. So there he is. So uh, Joseph's life is a blessing. Now we move to the twelfth and the youngest son, Benjamin. Joseph here is described as, um, as one who is going to bless other people, a fruitful vine. And Benjamin here, he's described as a wolf. He goes back to the animal uh, analogy. Joseph's described as a vine. He tears his prey. Benjamin, the allotment that, of land that Benjamin received was right next to Judah. Benjamin didn't receive a lot of land, but it was a prime location right there uh, near Jerusalem. A lot of times during the divided kingdom, you had the ten northern kingdoms, and then you had the two southern kingdoms of Judah and Benjamin. And uh, Judah just swallowed up Benjamin. But he is a wolf. He tears his prey. In the morning he devours the prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. These are the tribes of Israel. Twelve in all. And this is what their father said to them. He blessed them. And he blessed each one with a suitable blessing. This is a prophetic blessing saying this is what your life is going to be like. These are the elderly Jacob's final words. And what's meaningful and powerful is if you had an opportunity to share some final words, what would you say? You know, I know a lot of times folks, and I've heard of folks do this, they will maybe before they get too sick or before they go into surgery, they type out some final words. And do you know always their final words when people, they don't talk about how much money they had or how much money they left or things. They talk about their love. They talk about their uh, desire for them to grow in the Lord. They talk about how God can use them to advance the kingdom. The Lord wants us to give prophetic blessings on those children and our grandchildren. Are you praying for their salvation? Do you pray that the God will do a great thing in their life? Keep going here. Now Joseph's going to make some requests. It says in verse 29, Then he commanded them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me, that phrase, gather to my people. You know, that's how, how the Bible describes death. You know, we don't describe death that way. Gather to my people. We, we talk about passing away. But my people, that's, that's the family, the clan. That's the chosen ones, the seed of Abraham and all of them. Abraham and Sarah down through. And they want to be buried in Canaan in the promised land. 
But that's his people. It says, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my ancestors in the cave in the field of Ephron, the Hethite. Do you know a lot of folks, they move here to Lexington. They live here in the city. But they've come from maybe more rural, more country areas. But when they pass away and it's time to be buried, they go back to their home county. They go back to their small town. They go back to that little church cemetery that their family and their people are buried in. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. That's what we're seeing here. Even though I've spent most of my time here in the city, even though I'm in Egypt, even though I'm away from my homeland that I was raised in, when I'm going to be rested, I'm going to be buried in my little country church cemetery. That's what he's saying here. That's what it means to be gathered to my people. The cave in the field of Machapeth near Mamre in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from his wife, from, um, for his wife, Sarah, and them to be buried there. And also for Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, are buried there. And I buried Leah there. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hethites. When Jacob had finished giving charges to his sons, look at this, he drew his feet into the bed. You know, it's, he's returning to a fetal position. He's, 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 coming, he's coming back. You know, the Bible tells us that we were made from dust, dust and we return to dust. You know, from ashes to ashes. One of the things that is told to Adam, says, Adam, you're going to die. You're going to return to how you were made. Adam was created from the ground. And when we die, we return back to the ground. We're literally dust and ashes. Do you know next month, speaking of that, next month is what we call Ash Wednesday. Again, that's a... Uh, mostly a Catholic holiday in the Roman Catholic Church. But what that represents is that represents 40 days before Easter. It's a time of fasting. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of thinking about drawing close to the Lord and giving something up, preparing for the resurrection. And you think about why would they call it Ash Wednesday night, Wednesday? Because ash represents death, decay, you're dying to yourself. You're putting away the desires, the struggles, that maybe the temptations. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. I'm going to devote these next 40 days to you, leading up to Easter in preparation for you to do something great. And that's what, that's what we're seeing here. When Adam had to return back to dust Jacob is drawing his feet in the bed. And it says he took his last breath and he was gathered to his people. Jacob passed away. Jacob wants to be buried in the promised land. His two requests that he made to his, his boys. He said, boys, I'm going to die. And I want to be buried in the promised land. I want to go where Abraham, where Isaac... And where my wife Leah is buried at. 
bring me to that area, the same area there that God appeared to me, that God called to me. And I think the picture for that, it's like he sees you, you never, you never leave your spiritual upbringing. When God called you, when God did a great work in your life as a young man or a young woman in those early days, you want to go back and you remember that personal revival, how the Lord used you, how God saved you, how you were baptized, just like the baptism we had. Baptism this morning, the folks who were baptized this morning, they will always remember that. Do you remember when you were baptized? Do you remember when you walked that aisle and you said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make it public. Following Christ is a public decision. Should never be embarrassed. Should never be ashamed of following Jesus. What's powerful about this passage? Do you know it took 400 years for Jacob's bones to end up in Canaan? Those bones had to go through the Red Sea. Those bones had to be wandered around in the wilderness with Moses for 40 years. Joseph led his clan out of Canaan because of the famine, and they were down back in Egypt. But it would be 400 years later until they were back in the promised land, till the exodus happened, led by Moses. The Pharaoh who, who led, allowed the Can this little group, Jacob's family, come down there, and Joseph, how much he had done. 400 years later, he didn't, he didn't know about Joseph. He didn't know about those promises. That's literally like, I want to describe how long we're talking. 400 years ago were the pilgrims. Could you imagine today that the pilgrims who came to America and say they died here in America... In the 16, early 1600s, that's when they came, 1620, 401 years ago. And all of a sudden, when they're passing away there in Plymouth, Massachusetts, out in Boston Harbor, they're making promises saying, you know, bring us back to England. When we, you all go back to England one day, I want to be buried there. And here we are in 2021. And one day we go find those bones and say, we need to honor the request of the pilgrims and bring them back to England. Most folks now would have no clue what we're even talking about. They wouldn't know the story of the pilgrims. They wouldn't know what happened. And that's what's going to happen here. But when the, Is when the Israelites, when they left through the Red Sea and Moses led them out, through the ten plagues, they brought the bones of Jacob with them. His bones would pass through the Red Sea. What a powerful story of how God honored these final words. When you prophesy, when you speak words of encouragement, when we pray over someone, we need to take confidence that those words do not land void. God's word never returns empty. It doesn't. And we need it anytime you have opportunity to pray over someone or encourage them, write a card or, or just 
uh, be a blessing to them. You should take advantage of that. Tomorrow is President's Day. It's a day for us that we need to be praying for our president. We remember presidents, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington from the past. But what about President Joe Biden? Are you still praying? You know, he's now been president now for almost one month. Are you still praying for a new president? Maybe you don't agree with some of the things he's, he has done, but we, don't, we shouldn't ever give up praying for those over us. And I think what's a reminder from these passages, many times we forget what we said month by month. So what the, we made maybe a commitment, a spiritual commitment in January to start off this new year. Here we are midway through February, and you've already forgotten or given that up. Maybe you made a commitment daily to pray for our president, pray for our nation. The commitment that was made here by Jacob, the promise that Jacob received to be buried in Canaan, it took 400 years, but God honored and answered that request. He rested with his fathers. I believe God hears and he answers our prayers. Our biggest challenge is actually for us of really just believing God. Do you believe God will answer your prayers? Do you believe God wants to take your life and see it flourish? See great things happen and occur. I think about these blessings Judah was told he was a lion. This is an elderly man who's hearing these words. He has no idea that through his seed, one day the Messiah will come. He doesn't understand. Joseph is hearing he's being told he's a blessing. And probably he's thinking, yeah, I saved our family. I brought us here to, to, to Egypt. And God allowed us to live our little family of 70 here in Egypt. He had no clue one of the greatest miracles of all is going to come through him taking that little family clan of 70 people and then all of a sudden, 400 years later, the exodus, Moses comes up and leads them through the Red Sea and leads them into the promised land. And you, a lot of times the blessings that we're not aware of right now, God is going to use them in advance. And that's why it's important for us. Our final words, our words we speak to others, should always be words of encouragement, words of hope, words of promise. Jesus loves you. Have you given your words to him? Have you trusted your life to him? Have you committed all your relationships, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren to Jesus? He needs to be the Lord of your life. And I want you to surrender your life to Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want you to pray and receive Jesus. Then we'll have an online connection card that you can fill out and let us know if you did that. So if you're at home, I want you to put your hand to the screen. Because you can receive the greatest blessing of all. And that's the, the, the blessing of Jesus, God's Son. You bow your head and listen. And you pray along too if you want to get saved. Dear God, I pray that you save me. I pray that just like Jacob, I will be prepared to rest and be gathered with my fathers and have a confidence 
I'm going to heaven. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for being my Lord and Savior. Lord, I give you my life. From this day on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, I hope to hear from you. You reach out to me. Let me know what God's doing in your life. I know that God has a great plan. He has a great purpose. And absolutely, the Lord is growing. We are, we are rebuilding. We're reopening. Uh, great days are ahead for folks who are coming out of quarantine and beginning to serve the Lord. You know, a wonderful revival, I believe, is right on the horizon. And you want to be faithful in praying and joining me and our church's leadership as we're praying for God to move. I hope to hear from you. I'll see you every Sunday night right here at 6 p.m. here on our church Facebook page. And we also put this on our church YouTube page as well as our, audio, our podcast. God bless you. I'll see you next week.